Hello and welcome to the Creativity Conference's official podcast. My name is Aidan Rode. I am the Assistant Manager here at the Creativity Conference. and I'm very excited to be hosting this podcast where we will be discussing all aspects of creativity with some world-class creative speakers who we are lucky enough to have joining us as speakers for the conference. Today, I'm joined by Nick Haraz, who is a post-production expert and trainer, content creator, and recently started a new position as director of product marketing for Continuum at Boris FX. Nick, how are you doing? And how's the new job? I'm great, Aiden. It's it's so great to be here. And uh, the new position is, is still rather new, but uh, trying to learn the ropes and get more familiar with some of the processes that I'm going to be responsible for over the next year and beyond. How has it impacted your creativity in in general? That's a great question, and I haven't. Funny enough, I haven't stopped to actually to to think about that. I would say that there's a a part of it that's I'm in automated mode, where. I am trying to learn processes that I am somewhat unfamiliar with coming from someone who was predominantly a content creator for a number of years. On the second end of things, uh, it's affected my creativity is I've always been a freelancer and predominantly a freelancer where I've worked for myself and not worked with a team of 50 to 60 people. And it's a very different dynamic um, trying to to learn those processes, what certain people do, having meetings to attend to on a um, concurrent weekly basis. It it might sound funny for someone who has a full-time job, but for myself, you weren't really responsible for attending meetings on that weekly basis to check up with your, with your colleagues. Cause it was like one small group of people that I would do a project for, and then I would skip over to the next in like, you know, for a couple of weeks, so to speak. So those are um, some tasks and processes that are different. In terms of creativity, it's forced me to think differently about not just creating content, but then what the overall picture is for the continuum brand. So that's, I'm almost like flexing a different muscle and it's too preliminary to, to say, what that is, but it's, it's, it's sort of thinking a little bit more about the long-term game versus short pieces of content, which are relevant to up-to-date applications, if that makes sense. Yes. And prior to this new position, um, back in August, you delivered, uh, some fantastic presentations for us at the creativity conference, uh, online. And, yes. uh, how did you, how did you find the conference? Did you, uh, attend any other sessions, get to interact with it in any other way? Um, I got to attend the the keynote, which I thought was fantastic that Maxim did. Uh, besides that, no, I did not get to attend a lot of sessions and that was just due to my own schedule. So with that said though, there's something about being in your own session, the way that uh, the creativity conference is set up, where it is somewhat of a community and a collaboration where you can chat with other uh, people who are attending and have an open dialogue. So on the case of the sessions that I delivered, I did get to experience that and to meet some some people from all walks of life, uh, creatively speaking. Yeah, and you are potentially going to be joining us in Iceland next year, which is hugely exciting. Um, what are you particularly looking forward to about that? Well, um, I've 
confession been to Iceland twice, which is amazing. I'm I'm That's in love I. with I'm I've been I'm in love with Reykjavik. You know, yeah. uh, going at the time that we are next year, it's going to be different for me because so far I've only gone to Iceland in the winter. So you have this sort of perspective where you have long nights uh, in the winter, and the reason I went is to capture the northern lights. And now it's going to be flipped, where it's going to be longer days. So I'm kind of excited uh, to see that. Just also just to to attend a conference. It's been so long. So uh, fingers crossed. As someone who delivers content online, there are benefits. One of the biggest benefits is the fact that you get to connect with people universally, like this podcast. But something there is something to say where a conference might have a certain group of people from closer like proximity to where that place is having that face to face with people uh, is just something that i can't get enough of it's something that i thrive off of it's something which helps deliver creative inspiration and i sometimes miss that in online communication or you know what other people might want to call zoom fatigue <laughs> you know there's nothing uh, better to me than to be in the presence of other creators uh, live at a conference, learning from them, but also participating in events. How has the pandemic, as you say, how has it uh, affected your workflow and creativity in general? Obviously, there's this new position, but the pandemic's been going on for two years. Um, did you find that it sort of enabled you creatively or stifled certain things? It's a mixture of both. On a work basis, it was kind of like it was an explosion in the opposite direction. In fact, I got busier during the pandemic. Hmm. So as someone who delivers uh, video editing and motion graphic content, if you were to picture all of these large companies that are trying to get out the message about their product, you know, they have several means to do so. They have online, they have in-conference, they have in-person. And all of the in-person type of events got canceled overnight. You know, all of the, the marketing in stores got canceled. So there was in high demand the need for people to, who are used to talking online through different mediums, to continue to express and deliver those messages in the only way that could be done. Uh, and for that fact, uh, not to mention a little bit of luck on my side, uh, having a relationship with with one of those companies it just developed and became greater and greater. So that was was great. And I, I think in, in some cases that led to exploring other uh, creative avenues and venues. Um, on a personal note, uh, the, the pandemic was, as much as that brought me joy and a, a level of safety having that work, there was definitely moments of uh, depression that I went through just to not having, you know, having your daily routine, not just work-wise, but life-wise, become upended overnight. Uh, and for that, I think that there was some, some definitely some creative struggles, you know, having not the ability to go out and, uh, let's say, participate in production shoots with a group of people for um, while, while it was just a, a few months, really, or six months, it was still um, a long time to not collaborate with people in, in, in person. I think that there's also just a big part of my work prior to that was travel. And I 
love to travel and, and, and meet new people when I travel. So to ha have that as well taken away where you're in one location, it was a bit of a shock to the system. So I found myself um, wanting and desiring that that travel aspect and that work aspect, maybe not to the same degree that it was, but it was definitely something I, I missed and, and um, you know, still struggle with. But luckily, since uh, it, it's funny, we're at another stage where restrictions might come back on right now, but uh, in the between phases to start uh, traveling and exploring again was something pretty awesome. Um, I was recently in September in the East coast of Canada, where I got to drive around the Cabot Trail for a few days and just take snapshots with my iPhone, which was super cool. And also, you, you've been very productive over over the pandemic. You've uh, just sort of, you're coming out with now uh, is your new course and your book, which is called Finding Creativity in Uncertain Times. Yes. Um, which was incidentally the name of one of your sessions in August for our conference. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about the book and the course? Yeah, I could totally. Um, so uh, like any good creator, I, I came up with this idea about doing some sort of a creative book four years ago. And um, out of fear <laughs> and a little bit of imposter syndrome, I had this like paper of a uh, hundred different topics or ideas divided into three parts and I shelved it. And then during the pandemic, uh, or early in the pandemic, I discovered this piece of paper again. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, it's like November, I should totally try to expedite this and turn this into to a book. So I'm about 80% done with the book. And uh, as a, a companion decided to, to pitch LinkedIn Learning on, on doing the same thing with a course, and then intertwining it with the, the creativity conference on the, on the topic of it. And having it been well received, it just sort of uh, allowed me to continue along that path and know that there's value in some of the stuff that I that I um, that I'm sharing. So on the course side, I'm I'm super excited that it's finally been released. I if uh, by the way, I can uh, supply like a a code for all listeners. I'll try to do that, Aiden. If uh, if that's okay, if people can take the sure. course, it's like a 30 day trial, um, and it it just covers. You can think of it as divided into a few different parts. So we talk about looking at creativity from a, a place of struggle and then different small tasks that you can do to action it. And the book kind of follows a similar narrative path where uh, we look at creativity kind of from what I like to call down in the dumps. And then from that, do little things to change your perspective on creativity and then the final thing, which is even if you're at the creative top of your game, how can you continue to challenge yourself? How can you continue to learn? So yeah, I'm excited for that. That the, the plan is to have that out in spring of 2022. It sounds amazing. Um, out, outside of work and outside of writing this book and everything, have you uh, over lockdown or potentially just in life in general, have you found any out of career outlets that uh, keep you fulfilled creatively? I recently started uh, going back to a small gym again, which was, which was huge. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny, but just um, being able to kind of be in um, a daily routine or habit and uh, 
have that form of workout and getting out of the house was was pretty awesome for me. Um, in the summer, I was taking daily walks down just to pick up a cup of coffee. And it might sound, uh, it's rather simple, but just the act of me kind of walking and listening to a podcast is, is a pretty great uh, creative, fulfilling task to do. So yeah, I would say as simple as those are, uh, walking <laughs> and, and, and exercise are the two things for me. Yeah. And I mean, you're based in Toronto, so I imagine that was fairly difficult in the winter time when it was chilly. Yes. Yes. And, um, I, so funny story. I, I was in Toronto and I actually moved just, um, north of the city to a small town called Barrie, uh, in 2020. So now I live, uh, there and it's, it's a snow belt, so it's even more challenging to walk in the winter. But um, I have a small little puppy, so that's, you know, a forced kind of walk. He likes to go on walks versus go out in the backyard. So I'll do that, let's say, um, two times a day, not to mention when I'm in a creative rut, just getting away from the desk is a huge, um, is a huge thing for me in order to reset my own train of thought and come back to let's say a longer form or even short form process. How do you find the sort of the film industry in uh, Toronto, maybe Canada in general? Because obviously Hollywood, the US in general is sort of this epicenter of global film production. Um, but how, how does Toronto compare? What drew you there? Um, what I, in terms of the film production industry, I wouldn't say that um, just I grew up here. So the, the film yeah. industry didn't necessarily kind of um, it, it it sort of developed as I was growing up, too. So I think there's a few things about Toronto, which makes it a great place to film and just um, a film community in general. So number one is that there's just so many studios and so many Hollywood studios who take advantage of Canadian tax credits uh, who fly north of the border. They'll shoot in a production studio, um, specifically a lot of high-end television shows, and basically pretend for them to be American cities. Like Toronto, uh, if you look back at the history of the city being used in production, it's always kind of uh, staged as a, a New York City or a small New York City. Uh, examples of that, like going way back in time, you can look at uh, one of the short circuit movies, American Psycho, uh, Benicio Del Toro's show was filmed in Toronto. Uh, so was Fringe in season one. The list goes on and on of productions. And I think just that the city and the amount of amazing talent that you have here in Canada makes it uh, really appealing to people south of the border. But nothing will ever beat the monstrosity that is LA production, you know? However, I would say the second part to the film community, not from a a production aspect is uh, the Toronto Film Festival. It's absolutely massive uh, um, in terms of, depending on who you talk to, some people believe it to be the biggest North American festival that's out there. So bigger than Sundance. Questionable, this is this would be a good question for Maxim right now. <laughs> as, yes. an, as having him been to, to both. But it is a, a massive a festival. In some cases, a Hollywood production as well as international production uh, before they distribute or in the past before they actually set it up for distribution would use Toronto as a as a form of a test market to see how people would respond to the film 
and several films who have won the People's Choice Award, the top award at the film festival, went on to being critically acclaimed, if not in some cases even winning the, the Academy Award. There's another part to the Toronto International Film Festival which is interesting, and that is on top of just having so many different screenings, uh, it is a huge uh, place where buyers come to uh, purchase films and uh, any of the, the type of content that's being shot there. So people would go and, and, and develop deals uh, for further distribution of their film. And it'd be that kind of where Khan was the European angle to that. Toronto was the, the sort of North American. Interesting. And so we've been talking about sort of behind the camera um, in front of the camera as yeah. an actor. Uh, you've said previously that you've always sort of had this underlying passion for acting and uh, you potentially wanted to be an actor when you were, were growing up. And you've yes. been an extra in, in certain films like uh, My Father and The Man in Black. Do you still have sort of an, an itch to scratch in the form of acting? Uh, do you see yourself pursuing any more acting in the future? Or is that sort of on the back burner for now? I would say... Uh specifically acting that's on the back burner. But one thing that, as someone who is growing up as a speaker, so uh, prior to the Creativity Conference, I would say my presentations were primarily directed towards teaching people um, techniques and tools inside of a video editing application and a motion graphic application. The creativity conference and a few different topics that I took on at NAB has given me the opportunity to sort of explore more general topics like like creativity, the overall process of creativity, like uh, imposter syndrome. And there's a certain, I would say, something that is appealing more to me to these topics uh, on the way that I connect to audiences, as in I'm less behind a desk and more behind trying to um, explain to the audience, not to mention um, have a conversation with the audience about these topics, which is a bit different than standing behind a desk, if you understand what I mean. So with that, the, what excites me about it is the potential to take some of these past acting skills or that I've developed in the, the past, we can just even call them presentation skills, and further tweak and develop my presentation style. Now, some of my uh, favorite videos of that I, I would say on YouTube from inspirational speakers play with the idea of performance, you know, giving something not only smiling, but being energetic and uh, reinforcing that with uh, B-roll footage, sound, music to make the overall piece. So the my finding creativity in uncertain times is kind of my first venture into that where I, yes, I'm behind a desk, but it's so B-roll heavy and going beyond just like your regular explanation that it, it in some ways starts to surface with this idea of also trying to make it um, make it connect with people or even you could call it entertaining. And I think that that is the, the aspect in acting to use some of those skills from the past and bring them into a presentation style could be extremely uh, beneficial. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover there between entertainment and education. 
uh, in what you do, and there's a, a very blurred line there, and you're sort of right in the middle of that. Yes, exactly. And then, and and it it's so funny where you can, uh, at least in my own journey as a as a content creator and as as someone now uh, developing content in a marketing form for for Boris Effects, how you can draw back these like or or draw from these skills that you've learned in in the past and maybe in some cases uh, felt like you've put to the side and how now you can integrate that inside of your own uh, continued journey, so to speak, in, in towards the content that you create. And speaking of content that you've created, you've created a lot of content in the past. <laughs> you've worked on a lot of projects. Are there any in particular, is there sort of one project that is potentially lesser known about or underappreciated that you sort of have a, a soft spot for and uh, you wish more people knew about? Um, great question. I think that the project that I'm most proud of right now is still the Finding Creativity in Uncertain Times course. Mm -hmm. And uh, as someone who is um, growing up as, as as someone who develops content for LinkedIn Learning, that is uh, something that I want people to know about and um, continue to know about as well as know about the book as I venture into 2022. I'll say I don't necessarily want people to know about it, but at the time I did, I'll, 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 I'll share with you something I haven't shared with people in a while. I did a, um, in university, I did a play uh, where I mixed... Um, visual imagery with um, these enactments on a on a stage based on gun violence, and it was a uh, I was able to utilize my old high school's um, theater to do so. So that was uh, very kindly given to me pro bono. I had a crew of fifteen cast and crew members. I wrote the entire story myself. I had a gun. A violence organization involved uh, with it, and it was uh, and why I haven't shared it is it's my biggest failure. Uh, so it was just I didn't get the crowd that I wanted. In cases I, I made some money for the non for profit organization, but it was something that I I buried up. I'm happy when I I actually took a look at the script a while back, and the script is a good idea. It was a it's still good and still holds up. Some of the graphics still. Uh, hold up to this day. But um, yeah, I, I think that that would be something that I would want to to at least share with this audience, this idea of, I don't know, <laughs> share with this uh, this idea of, let's call it a, a, a failure, and how now when I look at it, there were still good components to it. And it essentially, I was able to, to take some of the, the learning from that and then be able to put that in in the work that I do today. Yeah, it's it's the classic trope of learning from your mistakes and making you yourself a bigger person and improving later projects by what you learn from previous errors or misjudgments. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm 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 some of the stuff I, I can't share right now, but I am happy with some of the stuff I'm working on it. At Boris Effects, but you'll have to check in with me in mid to late February 2022. Gotcha. Well, we're almost out of time. I have one more question to discuss, which totally. is a big one. What does 
creativity mean to you? That's such a great question. And I just asked some people this question. So I'm just like, okay, now it's coming down my way. And I'm like, wow, it's, yeah. a, it's a hard, it's a hard question um, to, to, to answer. I think there's a form of creativity that means a feeling of freedom to me, feeling free to express yourself as well as collect ideas. And then from that collection of ideas, developing a process in which you can share those with others. So a lot of times I think that that feeling of, of, of creative freedom involves you developing techniques for yourself in order to not have uh, restrictions on the type of ideas that come up almost like a form of free writing. If you're familiar with that, that, um, type of process, because that allows you to then see a, a larger spectrum of ideas. And from that pick and choose creative ideas to move forward with. I think creativity also means to me the production of those ideas. So going back to that concept where I remember this poem when I was a kid from George Berkeley, and it went, if a tree falls in a forest, does anybody hear it? And someone took this quote in a, in a book, a Canadian musician by the name of David Usher called, um, let the elephants run and went, if an idea falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it or see it, does it make a sound? And I think that to me, creativity really comes to life when those ideas are shared with others. That's a great answer to an admittedly tough question. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, no problem, Aiden. And that is uh, all the time we have. Thank you very much for your time, Nick. It's been lovely to speak to you. And Thanks. I can't wait for you to join us in Iceland next year. I can't wait to to be there in Iceland next year, Aiden, and and uh, yeah, land in Reykjavik and have just such a great time with other creatives. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be amazing. And hopefully we'll see some of you listening there as well. Tickets are on sale. Get them while you can. Uh, thank you very much for joining me again, Nick. Uh, thank you for listening and uh, have a wonderful rest of your day. Mm -hmm.